one point in my life, it was very difficult for me to sleep in my own bedroom. So when I was born, until I was about three and a half years old, I had the great privilege of sleeping in my mom and dad's bed with them. Now, that was not my mom's choice. That was my dad's choice, and she regularly reminds me of that. And then when my baby sister was born and my mom needed to get up to deal with her, she finally asked me, Lee boy, do you think you could go sleep in your own big boy bed? And I said, certainly, I can do that. And so I did. But slowly but surely, I creeped back into their room and would end up in their bed, or at least, if not in their bed, on their floor, beside their bed, just right next to it. Sometimes on the side of the bed, which could be dangerous, and sometimes at the foot of the bed. Now that continued on for some years. I'm not going to tell you how many, because it's shameful to say a 13-year-old might sleep at the foot of their parents' bed, but it continued on for some time. Now at one point, my parents said, you can no longer come into our room and sleep in our bedroom. You need to sleep in your own bed. And there were many nights that somehow I would end up in the hallway right outside of their bedroom and their bedroom door. They would close that door, but I would be right there when they woke up in the morning to do whatever they were going to do. They would find me sleeping in the hallway. I would try and wake up early enough to get back in my own bed so that they didn't know. So what was the problem? Was there something scary in my room that I didn't want to be there? Was my bed so uncomfortable that I couldn't, uh, couldn't rest, and so the hard floor of the hallway seemed more appealing to me? No, the reality of what was happening there is I wanted to be in my parents' presence. I liked being with them. I, there was a sense of security and wellness that came with being able to be near them to know that they were there, to be able to hear my dad snoring and my mom uh, trying to stop him from snoring. It gave me a sense of comfort, a sense of, yes, everything is all right. Today, as we get ready to leave, there's a few times as we're away in the States that our children will be at another house than we will be. And I actually pray a blessing over our children every night before they go to bed. And so one of the things that we have to do, and we are grateful for electronic devices, is that we record that blessing so that they can hear it. Well, why is that? Because even though we're not present there physically, there is some sort of connection with that blessing that gives them a sense of assurance, a sense of safety, a sense of care. We long for physical presence or felt presence. And what we're looking at today is this, as we look at this passage where we've examined Christ being the way, Christ being the truth, and Christ being the life, is we remember now that Christ is here, that He is present. And you, you might be saying to yourself, now Lee, in the passage you just read, Jesus says that he's going away. <laughs> so how is it that he's here, but he's gone away? What does that look like? Well, I think there's three ways that we know that Jesus Christ is present. The first one is in Christ. The second one is the Holy Spirit. And the third one is the body. Now, the truth is, is that at the ascension... In the New Testament, we have all these stories, but in the ascension of Jesus Christ, in him being taken up and going to heaven, his physical presence is no longer here. 
right? So Jesus, the physical man, the 100% man, the 100% God, no longer is on this planet. He is gone. So that physical presence is away from us. But in leaving, he enables us to experience him as the Christ. The one that Colossians, that we read at the beginning of the service, holds all things together. He is mightier and bigger. He is the one that, in whom we all have our life and our being, as we discovered last week. That he is life. He holds it. He's the creator and he is the sustainer of all things. And so even though physically he's not here anymore, by the very virtue that I deep breathe in and deep breathe out, that trees grow, that the ocean tides continue to do the work that they do, that the sun rises and sets and the moon follows its path, that the earth rotates and the galaxies stay in place, it is because of the Christ who holds them together. So he is here in that way. And so on some level, that's less of that physical presence and much more of a felt presence. Or to go back to the opening conversation, it's not like we're right at the foot of Jesus' bed at night while we're sleeping, but it is my children listening to the prayer of their dad and hearing his voice speak over them through an electronic device when we are separated. So that cosmic Christ, the Christ that is holding all things together, that is beyond all things, it is a felt presence. We can know that he is here. Now, granted, we can't allow ourselves to get sort of off and think it's just some mystical thing. Right? It is firmly planted in his word. Firmly planted in the knowledge that we have of him revealed. So in some ways, it is more than felt that is present. But it is a physical presence. But more than that, the physical presence comes from the Spirit who Jesus talks about here in this passage. Look, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. That the Holy Spirit is a promised gift from Jesus that enables us to physically know that He is here. So what do we know about the Holy Spirit? Well, that is a whole other sermon series <laughs> that can go on and on and on. But there's really three things that I want to point out about the Spirit today. The first one is that He's a deposit for us. That we feel the presence of him because he's a deposit for us. The second one is that he's a comfort for us. And the third one is that he's a counselor to us. Enables us to receive mercy and grace. And in counseling teaches us who Christ is to us. So 2 Corinthians 1.22 says this about the Holy Spirit. We'll start in verse 21. And it is God who established us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee or as a deposit 
Ephesians says the same thing. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 reminds us of this. In Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promise, Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of your inheritance until you acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So Jesus is here within us in a very felt and practical presence because we have the guarantee of our inheritance. For those of us who have been placed in Christ, the Holy Spirit is the thing that seals us and shows, yes, in fact, you are ready. You are given. You are in me. Now, it's at this point, I have to say, lots of people have lots of different ideas about how the Spirit shows itself to be with you. Lots of different things have been taught and said about how we know for sure that we have the Spirit. This passage tells us how we know for sure. It says, Jesus said, I'll ask the Father to give you a helper, and he will be with you forever. And if you're in me, you have the Spirit. We don't have to worry about some external manifestation to make sure that we have Jesus. When we have Jesus, we know that we have Jesus. The Spirit says it to us. It guarantees it for us. We have that deposit. How do we know that? Well, he tells us that the Spirit will teach us. Listen a little bit further, verses 25 in this. It says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance of all that I have said to you, specifically to the apostles at this point, so that they'll know all the teachings and fully understand all the things that Jesus had told them as he was ministering with them and walking with them in his physical presence. But even so, beyond that, and that we will know. It's good to remember that while we are very smart individuals and while we have the ability to gain all sorts of knowledge, that the things that are above are beyond us and they are a mystery and it is God who reveals them to us. And as we begin to glean insights into them, it's not because of our own hard work and our own striving. It's because the Holy Spirit is within us revealing those things. That's what Jesus says here. He's the guarantee of our deposit, the sign of our inheritance. Why? Because he is teaching us. That's John 14. That's where he's a counselor to us coming along beside us, giving us all that we need to understand this new reality of who we are that we are in Christ. That's how close he is. That's how here he is. We are in him. So that's his deposit. That's him as the counselor. But Acts 9, 31 reminds us that he is also a comfort to us, which is good in this world. 9, 31 says this. This is what's taking place. 
Saul is in Jerusalem. He's just escaped. He's getting, he, he, he has just escaped from Damascus. And it says this, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. See, the Holy Spirit is the one who comforts us. There was great trial and tribulation and persecution that was happening at this time in the church. And where were they running? They were running to walk in respect, love, fear of the Lord, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit was with them. Now we know there are ailments that come upon us. There are physical maladies that attack us. There are mental anguish that come towards us. And that oftentimes we don't feel comforted. And that's true. It sometimes feels like we're in the hallway and the door's closed and we're not quite in the presence. But the Spirit is a guarantee and is within us. But more than that even, God has joined us together in the other way that we know Jesus is here, which is His church, His body. 1 Corinthians 12. 12 starts this way. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit you were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. He goes on to say that a foot can't say, I'm not worthy because I'm not a hand. Or an eye can't say to a hand, we don't need you anymore, so get out of here. But then he says this. If one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, then all rejoice together. Ephesians 2 reminds us that we are brought out, we are saved, and in being saved we are built together as a temple of worship. So in fact, when we look at how is that we know Jesus is here, is we can look around those who are gathered here with us. We can look around to those who are outside of our gathering, who are those who are in Christ. And know that God has bound us together. So those times when we feel outside the door in the hallway, they're the ones who open the door and say, come on in. They're the ones that say, yes, you're in the presence of, of God. Yes, Jesus is here. Let us be the physical, tangible exercise of that for you. Much like my dad, who would sneak out sometimes and open the door and say, come on in. <laughs> we are that, the church to one another. So that when people rejoice, we rejoice with them. When people are suffering, we suffer with them. We step in, we are for lack of a better word, intrusive into their lives. Now, intrusiveness sounds like it's a scary word. It sounds like that's a word that we don't want to say or we don't want to, I would never want to be intrusive. But in fact, we know that sometimes it is hard for us to remember the goodness of God because the darkness seems so overwhelming 
And there are moments that we need people who believe and know and trust in the goodness of God to step in and say, God is good. He loves you. He longs for you. How can we manifest him to you? How can we be his body to you? And it's at that point that our pride has to be put away. Because if we're in Christ, we are new creations and we can say, yes, I will accept that. (laughs) I will take that in. I will hold it for myself. So Jesus is here. He is here both as the Christ, the one who holds all things together. He is here through his Holy Spirit as a deposit in our hearts. And he is here as the church, the beloved, the one who gathers together and brings us. And he places us here at this time. Because why? Because he has called us and bonded us together so that we could bring glory to him. Ephesians reminds us that he preached peace to those who were far off and to those who were near and brings and builds a new man together. So there's never too far away of a place than this present reality. And the resurrection equips us to step in and be Jesus to one another. Because here's the amazing thing about it. That we are in Christ. And being in Christ means that we are Jesus to one another. Kazuki Koyama, which I probably said that name wrong, wrote an article called The Reformation in a Global Context. And in it he says this quote. He says, The disturbing spaciousness of Jesus Christ calls us to reject enmity or againstness and exceptionalism that we are above. We see him present in our culture, our language, in our stories, and our relationships. He's talking about Jesus and his disturbing spaciousness. Unpack that a little bit. Oftentimes, I, when I think of Jesus, Think of the man. And it's good to think of the man, Jesus. But I forget that he is God. And that as God, he is so much more spacious, disturbingly so to me, that I can't quite figure him out. That somehow, He calls me to reject any idea that I might figure this out or any idea that I figured it out more than anybody else and moves me to listen carefully to the culture and language and stories and relationships of others. To find and know, as we talked about when we talked about Jesus is the truth, that God's truth will supersede any truth that I have. It will transform it and make it his, 
by either rejecting it or renewing it or celebrating it. And so we know Jesus is here because he's working to pull us to a place where we are no longer against and we no longer think we have it figured out, but where we rest and wait and know he is here. How many of you have ever been in your dark living room watching the pictures on the TV screen, enjoying some particular show or sporting event, and something happens so dramatic or so exciting or so shocking that you know immediately that you need to share it with somebody. And you turn around quickly to say to the people that are in the room with you, did you just see that? Can you believe that? And you recognize that you have been all by yourself. Have you done that? I can remember when I watched the movie The Usual Suspects the first time by myself. And when the twist came at the very end, which it's a pretty good movie with some language issues, but it's a good movie. And there's a twist at the end. When I saw it, I, I was in my house and I turned around thinking that my wife, Shannon, was with me and she was not there. Like I'd been so engrossed by what was going on that I, and no, nobody, and, and you, what's the first thing you do? You feel foolish, right? A little bit. You, oh, oh. <laughs> Sometimes we feel that way when somebody tells us, oh, Jesus is here. We think to ourselves, I thought that before, and I've turned around, and it definitely seems like he's not. I've been all by myself. I want to acknowledge that. I want to say that that feeling is something that happens to us. But I also want to say, when we hear Jesus in these, this passage say to us that he will provide for us, he will ask the Father to give us a helper who will be with us forever, that he bounds us together as his church, I want to let you know that he is here. He is here particularly for you in your life in this place. And he is here globally, beyond any of our understanding, in his disturbing spaciousness, holding all things together to ultimately bring glory to God. And what we can do, as those who are along this journey, is we can say, Jesus Christ, teach me to know and trust that you are here. Let's pray. Father, you are good to us. You reveal yourself over and over again to us. It scares us to know that you are present like you are. We don't understand it completely. It's a mystery to us. But Father, we just ask that you will teach us, change us to trust that you are here. You are here because you are Christ. You are here through your Holy Spirit within us. And you are here externally as the body of Christ. All these people gathered together for you. In your name.
Jesus in your name. Amen.